What's up, folks? This is your Investor Weekly News Update, where we go over some of the headlines that I've been looking at for the week of February 27, 2023. So first article here is from Yahoo Finance. Call Yahoo for what it is. They have articles probably written by AI. We all know this these days, but they've write articles that depict what's going on that very day. Sometimes I pointed out that it just doesn't make any sense, but sometimes I'll pick one like this, which is saying the Fed is gearing up for a longer than expected inflation fight. This is one point of view out there. Um, this is the pessimistic point of view, which kind of I've been looking at. Just uh, obviously you want to be optimistic in some ways, but pessimistic in terms of having your, your cash reserves to be able to last it out. So they're talking about inflation could persist longer than thought after the central bank's most closely watched inflation gauge surge by the most in months. Now, if you read as many articles as I do, you see the CYA, the cover your what language, as they're saying inflation could persist longer, but they go on to say inflation could be more persistent than currently anticipated. Duh, right? That's just them covering themselves. They're quoting to Mester said at the US Monetary Policy Forum in New York. So in my view, at this point, with the labor market still strong, the cost of overshooting on policy, which is what they're talking about is increasing interest rates or prematurely loosening policy still outweighing the cost of overshooting. So what he's talking about is what a lot of people think is, hey, don't jack up the interest rates and break the economy. Personally, the way I look at it is I don't want it to be, I think in the 1980s, this happens. They lowered the interest rates too quickly. They didn't increase it high enough. So the analogy I like to use is if you're taking your antibiotics, you take the thing till you're done with your antibiotics and you kill the disease or virus or whatever. In, in this case, you know, the general perception of most people is just, just increase the rates, don't break the economy and then we'll get out of it. But I think the Fed kind of has the history in mind and they're, I think they're trying their best and they are keeping the door open to increase the amount of, in my analogy, antibiotics or in this case, increasing the rates or keeping it there. I think that's a lot of things that even if you have a pessimistic point of view is that in years past, they've dropped it pretty aggressively, pretty quickly, but they probably will just keep it high, at least is what I'm thinking. After speaking at the conference, Jefferson said a limited supply of workers for jobs needed, which has pushed up wages, suggests inflation may cool slowly. The ongoing imbalance between the supply and demand for labor combined with the large share of labor costs in the services sector suggests that high inflation may come down only slowly, he said. And what they're saying is unemployment's really low. The economy is actually doing pretty well, despite all these interest rates hikes, which is not a good thing if you have the mindset, let's just take it. Let's just take our medicine, get feel sick, and then get better. Next article, again by Yahoo, stock market news today, stocks slide after hotter than expected key inflation point. So if you watch the weekly stocks, which, you know, I in years past, I don't really care about this stuff because I don't really have any paper assets. But with I've been starting to watch it because if the stocks do well, then that is not a good thing, in my opinion. It's good to see pain in the system and the stocks to drop would like it did last week. Sure, it'll pop up nice 200, 300 rebound. Like I think it did this morning while I'm recording it on Monday. Today is February 27. For the most part, you want to see the doom and gloom come out. You don't want to see the market react 
positively. It's like my dad spanked me and for doing something wrong and I didn't really hurt. I make it, it really hurt. So you don't hit me again. Now, I pr probably shouldn't say that on a recorded line, whatever, but hey, that's just the world I grew up in. But that's like the analogy here. People, you want to see the stocks dip down and you also want to see unemployment tick up based on what they're doing. We haven't seen that yet, which is my head scratcher. Now, if you want to download the part one of the Kimono report, which I do on a quarterly basis, we just released that a couple of weeks ago. You guys can go to simplepassivecashflow.com slash club to get access to that and our members portal. But continuing on, multi-housing news, the ups and downs of multifamily capital markets. So what they're talking about when I mean capital markets is the lending markets and the lending market drives like with residential, we call it affordability, but in the same respect, commercial properties, if you can't get 65% loan to value and a good interest rates, you're probably, there's probably not going to be as many buyers in the market and therefore prices come down. I would say that's kind of just market appreciation. And that's why we don't really buy for market appreciation, although we try to get lucky, but it's easy come, easy go. And right now it's leaving, leaving out right now. So they're saying there's some optimism. However, amongst multifamily investors, many people are looking to rent as higher interest rates have made it more for them to buy new homes in the market. The market climate should continue to fuel solid demand for multi-housing through the next 12 months. I actually just came back from the field a few days ago and we were looking at tracts of land and it was right next to one of these built to rent little cul-de-sac. Actually, I think that they were going to sell the development but obviously the market changed and now it's all built to rent. And I think the cul-de-sac is completely rented out except for five, five of the houses, which they are renting for about 2000 a month for four bedroom, two baths. But that's the environment. And I think if you're building out built to rent, whether that is apartments or single family homes, I still like apartments for the scalability of it. Either way, people aren't buying right now because they just can't afford the monthly payments. I was looking at another thing lately where talking about people affording their cars, car payments, average car payment, maybe about a few hundred dollars, four hundred dollars have almost doubled based on the interest rates. And that's probably not doing very well for the automotive industry, for sure. Because in that sector, people pay based on the car payment, the payment price. For sure. Experts at Fannie Freddie Mac suggest that vacancy rates will rise to 5% by the end of 2023. Still pretty great. This would mark a 30 basis point increase from the end of 2020. Uh, aside from 2021, the rates rose to 5.3% due to COVID vacancy had not been above 5% since 2012, which is all like, that's why we invest in this type of sector, right? Like you have still pretty high demand, 90% plus. Uh, another pain point for the multifamily market this year is, is in the value add sector. Due to high interest rates, many value add investors or variable rate debt terms will likely have a hard time refinancing with their term loans mature. Although investors who choose to sell may have a hard time generating their expected return due to declining property values, right? there, If the market appreciation has gone out, you know, that frothy 10% has gone out, you may look to refinance, but you don't have the equity there is the problem. And, Here's a Wallet Hub's article on the top property taxes by states. Number one. Oh, well, so here's where I always tell people, look at the data and kind of tease it out because the way they rank things is effective real estate tax rate as a percentage, putting Hawaii as the best tax state, lowest percent 
but that's dumb because like the whole the cost of homes in Hawaii are like three, four times as much as Alabama, who's number two at 0.41. So you have to kind of normalize it and can't just go off of what sale people say, hey, Alabama has really low effective tax rate, which they do at 0.4. But the cost of their homes are super, super cheap. So in relation and in relativity, it's not as good. But hey, if you just want to go based on the percentage and kind of calculate out based on your average values, you can check out the YouTube version of this. We have it displayed on the screen. But the top five are Hawaii, Alabama, Colorado, Nevada, Louisiana are your top five. Louisiana, by the way, I'll just say it's a sad state. They need to get some revenue. <laughs> and they actually need to tap some revenue from their oil and gas businesses in there. Take a page from Texas. Multi-housing news. So they're talking about... Should you be concerned about LA's new transfer tax? So this is something I always look at. New York, Los Angeles, these more progressive cities, Seattle, Portland. Uh, they're always on the battlefront in terms of these precedence setting type of measures. What we're talking about here specifically is the future of real estate transfer taxes are going to be scheduled to take effect in April 2023, which has been worrying investors and other owners of valuable property of city of Los Angeles, who they're talking about specifically are like the, the kind of the lazy landlords or like the generational wealth people who had properties, they bought it for 50 grand back in the day. And now it's worth like a million or $2 million, go figure. Now they're coming out with these transfer tax on properties valued over $5 million. And it's just, I think a lot of like for this, there was a lot of people wanting to hold on to these properties, not have them churn through the system because they didn't want to pay taxes. Municipalities such as Los Angeles needs this stuff locked out. We can't, they just don't want like people just holding on to this hoarding, like a big house in a growing gentrifying area, afraid of paying just some taxes, which I get from most people's point of view, they just don't want to pay taxes. Of course, most of you guys, as you guys, if you guys listen to the free coaching calls, you guys know my point of view, sell the dang thing and go buy other assets, other syndications and multiply your portfolio and cash flow and your return on equity. But obviously most people don't do that. So they look at measures like this as very, see very punitive to them. But if you guys are interested in this, especially if you lived in LA, go check this out. But I'm also hearing they may also on the federal level, you know, you guys know that you, if married couple can def not defer, but totally extinguish half a million dollars of capital gain in your primary residence. There's a lot of ways to define, and it's a big word, primary residence. That's what the smart tax people, the way look at it. But effectively, they may be looking at increasing that to a million plus because what's half a million dollars these days with inflation, right? If you, if you have a rental a property that you've lived in and it's appreciated more than half a million dollars, which is actually quite a bit of you guys, you're going to have to pay taxes on the incremental amount over that $500,000, unless they change the federal law, which is they've been talking about that lately and something to be on the aware of. But we'll cap things off here with a little bit of investor question, a couple of investor questions here. First, I had an investor net worth $1.5 million dollars. They said, hey, I like that pet fund. I like the idea of going into preferred equity positions, especially in this environment, but I don't really need cash flow. And we just started to pay out investors. I think I tallied up the how much the checks were that went out. 
it was like $200,000 went out to you guys. So if you guys like that monthly reoccurring, I guess call it simple passive cash flow, there's nothing more simple than that, where it's actually backed by a real asset as opposed to do those other wonky private lending deals or funds out there where it's really backed by some personal guarantee that doesn't mean anything. As I said it, personal guarantees don't mean anything because the company will just declare bankruptcy is the game on those, which is why the pref rate is so high at 15, 16, 20% because it's garbage paper. It's not, doesn't really worth anything, which is why they should pay out so high. What we do on the PEP fund is you kind of got equity ownership of a company that owns direct ties to assets. But anyway, this investor was like, I don't really need the cash flow right away. I want the equity. I want the pop. But I was like, dude, like at this point in time in the game, there's just, it, I, it's just not really safe to do that. It's like hailing outside. It's a good time to be investing, right? Because as soon as the hail goes away, the rates will go up or the property appreciation will go up. And if you're not in the game, you're going to be left out. You can't really time the market, which is why I always say it's good to be investing smoothing your curve out, you always want to be deploying smaller chunks more frequently. So you can in a way dollar cost average, but like at 12, 13%, that's pretty good. Just a tad less than I think the kind of the, the silver status level, which is like 14 to 16%, only a couple percent points, half of that. And what really frustrates me is if I looked at this investor's portfolio, I am probably going to find like several hundred thousand dollars in their home equity, in their house in some kind of money market in their 401k or some other thing that's making less than 10%. And it's like, dude, just get it working incrementally, then go worry about higher return type of stuff. The second question that came up, investor was like, why are we doing funds? Granted, they want to get more into my insight and they added a more in this question. They're saying, like, get it from the opera point of view. It's pretty stressful to have this reputation rest on. For us, it's 60 something deals going on when having your reputation rest on one or two of them struggling it can be a big reputation hit and yeah it for me it's super stressful worrying about especially there's like a few deals with the the floating rate debt like that's that's something that's outside of our control that we have to deal with and navigate going through which i'm you know fully confident especially because it's not like the first time we've gone through this but that's it's leaning towards the funds in the future because if we did it all as a fund or maybe not a huge 60 deal fund but break it up in smaller chunks once one a year or multiple a year it allows some bridging of some shortcomings and I think that's what investors want. And I, what I've realized is most investors, they don't really deploy a million, $2 million right off the bat to get into two, $3 million worth of syndications. And that's how much they invest. And me, unless you've invested more than half a million or more like a million dollars personally, you don't really get a level of steady state or enough diversification which makes us really tough to dive into the game. Where at least what am I thinking for most people who've invested less than a million dollars, the fun approach is probably the better way to go. And again, this person's asking as far as the chocolate swirl deals, which is known as the deals where you go in and there's no cash flow for a couple years, but you're doing the heavy value add and then you pop out of the water and sell it. It's not really a cash flow play. We're really not really looking to do those at the moment, although kind of focusing on again, and I've, I've said this time and time again, is secure positions as preferred equity. And then looking at developments, which kind of, it's a good time to be doing now. We're going to be doing a um, webinar on this in the future on why development is a better way of going, at least for a section 
of your portfolio as I just came back from my trip and saw the future. You can call it higher risk. I think it's an appropriate higher risk for especially amount of return you can get. Think about it. If you can build a property, a class A property for 150 grand, today these guys are buying that crap for that or crap that's like a class B that's 30 years older for about the same price per unit. If I can build it for 150, but then sell it for 250, the margins are so much better. And for me, I think what I've realized as an operator, the problems arise when you have to deal with tenants. Yes, tenants, termites, and toilets comes back to that that thing, dealing with people, especially people who don't really have too high of a personal finance buffer and will skip and you have to evict and you have to get involved into all that type of stuff. Now I'm seeing why larger private equity firms gravitate towards development and they leave their younger days to the value add multifamily stuff. (laughs) It's a great, it's the only way to get started is what I'm learning. More sophisticated operators definitely get out of the space because it's a newbie area. I said a lot of you guys are some newer investors. If you guys want to go buy an apartment, you get a property manager, you could probably get started doing it too. Just good luck raising the five, $10 million right off the bat. That's It's really nothing that a sophisticated person who quits their day job and puts some time and attention to focus on it can't do. That said, I don't think we really hit our stride until we hit about $500 million in assets. And we just did that the headcount recently. We're like up to $2.1 billion in assets. So that was another question that always comes up is like, how the hell do I determine the difference between an operator who's a fake it till they make it, an institution and somebody in the middle, which can put us in. But it's same times right now. And if you guys have any questions, please submit it. We'll get it on a future weekly update and have a great week. Bye.